Okay. Let's pray together. Father, thank You so much. Uh, just, Lord, it's so good to be in the household of God and to be uh, in fellowship and to worship You and to, Lord, just enjoy You and one another every Lord's Day. And, and now again as we turn our hearts and our minds to Your Word, we are once again reminded that uh, it's the Spirit of Truth that is the ultimate teacher. So, asking once again, Holy Spirit, that You will teach, Lord, that uh, Your Word would go forth. Uh, Hebrews tells us it's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so, Father, we uh, thank You for Your Word. We thank You, uh, Lord, that it is through Your Word that we are sanctified. And so now, Lord, we don't want to just be hearers but doers. So, uh, Lord, would You please to do what only You can do in our lives. We love you and give you the praise. And all God's people said, Amen. First Timothy chapter 3, right? We've been here for a while. At the end of summer, we started the fall. And the, 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 in the big picture, the series was loving the church, right? I shared with you a quote, you know, the church has always been a big part of my life, but I'm not so sure it's been a big part of my heart. And so for this whole fall, we've been looking at, well, if we're called to love the church, right? If we're called to love the church, what is the church? And so we've understood biblically God's view of the church, right? It's the body of Christ. It's the bride of Christ. It's the household of God, right? All of those things that are trying to give us a biblical view of what the Bible calls the church and who ultimately is the church. We are, right? The church is made up of the people, right? And God calls us to love Him and to love one another. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, we saw that the church... In, uh, we'll start in verse 14. Although I hope to come to you soon, I'm writing you these instructions so that if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. Right. And so for several weeks, we've, we've, we've been examining this idea of truth, that the church is the pillar and foundation of truth. And if you've been with us, you've, we've talked about postmodernism. We've talked about the biblical view of truth. We've talked about the Apostle Paul going to Athens, understanding the culture, and then ultimately the Apostle Paul going to the marketplace and preaching the truth. Right. Preaching the truth. So we've kind of seen that the, the church is the pillar and foundation of truth. We're to proclaim the truth to the world, right? But the title, the title this morning, and what we want to focus on, uh, it says right there, right on, in your bulletin, what am I supposed to do with God's truth? I get that we're the pillar and foundation of truth. I get that we affirm this is truth. I get through Paul's example we're to proclaim the truth. But what am I supposed to do with God's truth? And here's the thing, my prayer, and, and, and this is one of those, those sermons, I'll be, be very honest, I'm excited, but I'm also a little bit nervous because many of you have been in, in church for decades. Some of you would say you were born in the church. And, and a message like this, a sermon like this, uh, if we're, we'll allow God to, to work in our hearts, could literally be transformative. Can, can literally explain to you and, and, and your understanding be opened about why you seem to, to, to be stuck growing. Why you seem to have plateaued. Why Scripture just seems boring and dry and dull and I'm just not getting anything anymore. I believe that, that, that 
through God's Word this morning, a lot of you are going to go, oh. And it's not going to be something radical and revolutionary. I'm going to be right up front. It's going to be something that you're going to go, oh my gosh. I heard that way back. Okay? I've, I've used many of you, you're going to hear a truth. You're going to hear God's Word. And, and all it's going to do, I'm praying, is that your heart's going to go, oh my gosh, how did I drift? How did, I, how did that just slide away? And it's so easy. It's so easy. What are we supposed to do with God's truth? I, Mike, I love you, buddy. Mike and I get together regularly. And this past Thursday, he said, hey, you know what? I did a little project. I went and I collected as many sermon notes as I could all the way back from when the church started. Because they started, they came when at Cindy's house and they've been faithful, right? Through thick and thin, through tiredness. And, you, you know, the Glennon family has just been rocks in here, right? So he goes, I went back and I found them. <laughs> sermon notes. Back to 2010. What are we supposed to do with this? Come on, let's get a little bit real now. File it? What are we supposed to do? Because I'm guessing many of you have the same stack. And then you, have, then you have Bible studies you've done over the years. What are we supposed to do with this? I mean, I spent hours agonizing over how to create, a, a put a 45-minute message into a half sheet of paper. Trusting that God's going to, you're going to take it and, and, and do something with it. What are you supposed to do with this? I mean, that's pretty amazing. In fact, if I was really sharp and wanted to take a break, I'm just going to go back and recycle these from 2010. <laughs> I don't have to do a new message for another three years. Cause <laughs> what are we supposed to do with this? What, what are we supposed to do with this, guys? Right? Right? Do it. Put it into action. So if we're supposed to do this and put it into action, do we need another sheet added? Right? I shared with you, one of the challenges as a pastor is that there's sort of an expectation from you all to me, I wonder what the message is today. I wonder what new thing. I wonder what new video we're going to watch. I wonder if he's going to make me laugh, you know. I wonder, I wonder what the new thing is. And for us as pastors, we're wondering, what would you do with last week's? So in the church, we had this tension because the body, we're supposed to be moving through. We've got to go through the book. Then we've got to go through the series. There's books and series in the church. And pastors were like, eh, let's just camp here. But what are we going to hear if you remember last week's message? Didn't we hear that last week? Didn't we hear that last week? Why is he doing the exact same message? See, there's this tension in the church. We always we, we adopt this sort of this mentality of the of the of the, of the, of the world. We got to keep moving. It's always like something new, something fresh, you know, something new, something fresh. And pastors are like, "But what are you doing with the brick?" <laughs> I mean, look at—he made it all nice. Put double row bands. Mike, what are you going to do with this, bud? Like, seriously, I'm like curious. You're going to reread it. What are we supposed to do with God's Word? Now, it's interesting because 
if I was preaching this to a group of non-believers, I would approach it completely different because we would be approaching it to show them that the Bible is God's Word. The challenging part is for us in the church who would affirm that the Bible already is God's Word, God's truth. What are we supposed to do with it? What are we, okay, Scott says live it, right? We're supposed to live it. Let's turn to James. going to go right in your book, in the Bible, a few books. James chapter 1. We were here last week, and I just want to, we're going we're to really focus on that passage, understand what God's Word says. In John 17, 17, right, Jesus says something very powerful. He says, he's talking to his Father, he says, sanctify them by the truth, your Word is truth. That word sanctified means set apart for a special purpose, specifically set apart for God's purpose, okay? So Jesus says, sanctify them. Who's he talking about? Who's the them? Everyone do this and do this, right? We, he's saying, Father, set your disciples, set your children apart for your purposes by what? By your what? Truth. By truth. We are sanctified. How many of you desire to be Christ-like? How many of you desire to be set apart for God's special purpose? Well, John 17, 17, it's pretty clear. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is. Okay. So there's a direct link between you and me growing in sanctification, you and me growing to be Christ-like, and truth. How does that happen, though? Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. How does that happen? Because everyone just raised your hand and you said, I want to be sanctified. I want to be Christ-like. I want to be more and more like Jesus. Jesus says, sanctify them. Father, set them apart by your truth. Your word is truth. How does that happen, though? How does that happen? How is that supposed to happen? How many of you want that to happen? Okay, so how is that going to happen? I don't know. That's why you're going to tell us, right? (laughs) Or everyone looks at Doris. Everyone's like, Doris, how does that happen? Doris, right? There is a very practical means for that to happen. A very, very practical means. And the reason many of us are stifled, stuck, not being sanctified, not growing, maybe plateaued, is because we've been deceived. We've been deceived. Look at James 1. Starting in verse 22. James 1, 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Okay, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the word and so what? deceive yourselves, do what it says. Many of us as believers, our biggest challenge is that we may be deceived. We may be deceived. That word deceived is a mathematical term which means miscalculation based on faulty reasoning. So the reason you're stuck in your Christian life, the reason we can get stuck, maybe you're not stuck, maybe things are going, but the reason sometimes we get derailed is that we develop faulty reasoning, miscalculation, and we become deceived. 
And what is the deception that they're talking about? The deception they're talking about in verse 22 is that, hey, spiritual growth, hey, sanctification, hey, becoming more and more like Jesus, all you got to do is hear it. All you got to do is listen. And if you listen to your words and other people's words, it's very telling. Because what will you hear people say? And this is nothing on the people that say this, because I said this. This is nothing on these teachers. But what will people say? Hey, you know what? I listen to Charles Stanley. I listen to. I sit under. Nothing wrong with listening to Charles Stanley. I love Charles Stanley. Nothing wrong with listening to whoever you listen to as long as it's solid Bible teaching. But are we just supposed to listen to Charles Stanley? See, many of us have been deceived in our Christian faith in the sanctification process where we've slid into, oh, you know what? God saved me. I'm, I'm a lot better than I was. And now all I have to do is hear. All I have to do is hear and listen to the Word. That's deception. That's what he's talking about here. We've been deceived. I put it in there that our spiritual growth is about accumulation, not application. Okay? For many of you, for many of us, for me, spiritual growth is about accumulating these. And the more of these I accumulate, I must be growing. I go to five Bible studies during the week. I must be growing. Really? I know you're accumulating. Do you get the, do you get the deception? It's a very subtle deception, and churches are really good at how we present truth now. So you got, oh, you got to go hear this guy. You ever hear that? Oh, you got to hear this speaker. Come listen to my pastor. And so, very subtly, Christians now emphasize listening to somebody or hearing somebody. And, and we're being deceived into believing that all of our faith, our sanctification, is about accumulation. It's about accumulation. That word, right, where it says, do not merely listen. It says, do not merely listen. Some, some versions say, don't be a hearer. You know what that word is in the Greek? It refers to an auditor, not an IRS auditor, but an auditor at a university class. If you're familiar with universities, you can ask the professor, hey, can I audit your class? And what you're saying is, hey, professor, can I come and listen to your lectures? But what does an auditor not have to do? Take tests and do homework. And an auditor in a university class gets the privilege of listening with no accountability. Believers in the church are deceived into thinking that all I got to do is audit the sermon. I just have to go to church, listen, take notes, accumulate. But the application and accountability, oh, that's optional. I'm just auditing. I'm just auditing. And it, it's, a, it's a very, you know, I've, I've had to really sit down this week and say, Lord, am I an auditor? And in my case, do I just study Scripture for a sermon? Not really to apply it, but it's just something i got to do every Sunday morning. You see, I can become an auditor. Are we supposed to just audit sermons? Critique them? 
come and come and just listen and passively hear. And then we, we, we frequently say this. Oh, well, the sermon's over. The sermon's over. What do we what do we typically do with this when the sermon's over? File it in your Bible. Tuck it away. I find these. I'm the pastor. I find these under my car seat. I'm like, oh, man, how'd that get there, right? What are we supposed to do? Are we just auditing? It's a deception. It is a profound deception. See, in the garden, what did the devil want to do? Get Eve to doubt God's word, right? So many of you are, you're solid with God's word. No, you're not going to doubt the authority, scripture, veracity, truth of God's word. That's settled for you. But maybe you can be deceived into thinking all you got to do is hear. It's just another attack. It's another scheme. Just go listen to the sermon. Oh, come on. Just listen. Listen online. Are we auditing? You know, and that word doer, it's a very powerful word, that word doer. It says, uh, and so deceives, do what it says, right? Do what it says. That word doer means that what we do, our obedience to Scripture, comes out of the inside of who we are. It's not doing it because you were told, and if you don't, you're going to get a hand slap. Okay? Here's a, here, let me give you an example. There's, there's someone who fights, and then there's a soldier. There's someone in class who writes a poem because you're supposed to, and then there's a poet. You see the difference? What they're doing comes out of their character, comes out of who they are. What this verse is saying, hey, if you're a Christian, doing obedience comes out of who you are. It just comes out of who you are. It's not because Pastor Richie said so. What they're saying is, hey, believers, don't be deceived. You hear and then you do. You, you, you lovingly obey because it's who you are. It's your nature. Because you've been given a new nature empowered by the Holy Spirit. Right? That's what he's saying here. That's what he's saying. And why is that important? Because, and this is one of my challenges, when we say we weren't, I, knew, I know when we, when, when we go here, oh, that's legalism. Oh, those OVCFers. All about obedience. That's just legalism, isn't it? Is it? Is it legalism or just obedience? See, legalism, if you want to define legalism, it's sort of working towards salvation. It's doing things, religious performance to what? Gain right standing or approval from God. That's legalism. That's not what we're talking about. The other extreme in this is, oh man, I'm saved by grace through faith. I could do whatever I want. That's called a license to sin. (coughs) Romans 6 deals with that, right? James says, faith without works is dead. So if it's not legalism that we're talking about, and it's not a license to sin we're talking about, what are we talking about? Loving obedience. Loving obedience. And, 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 you know, let's look at a bunch of scriptures here so that you hear it directly from Jesus. So let's go to John. Right? John 14. Hey, Ty, can you uh, turn the AC on for me real quick? Thank you. Loving obedience. Okay, we're not talking about legalism, right? We're saved by grace through faith. You guys, that's settled, right? 
unmerited favor. Nothing you can do. We're not talking about legalism. Romans 6, James, like I said, deals with this license to sin. We're not talking about that either. We're talking about loving obedience, right? Let's look at Jesus says, John 14, 15. Jesus says, if you love me, you will what? If you love me, you will obey what I command. Is Jesus a legalist? Or is he just asking for loving obedience? Obedience manifested out of our love. It's a fruit. It's a fruit, right? Let's go to John 15. Verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's command. There's this example. And remain in his love. Loving obedience. It's just loving obedience. As a part of doing is just equal to loving obedience. Let's look at 1 John, towards the back of the Bible. It's right, Jude, Revelation. So it's way back there. 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter 2, verse 3. We know that we have come to know Him if we what? Obey His commands. The man who says, I know Him, but does not do what He commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys His word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in Him. Whoever claims to live in Him must what? Walk just as Jesus did. One of the fruits of you becoming a Christian and, and, and walking with Jesus is just simply the fruit of obedience. That's what those verses are saying. Okay? So this deception, guys, we, we, we really got to spend time and we really ask God, Lord, have I been deceived? Have I slid into hearing and listening mode? And have I put the doing and application to the side? Am I accumulating sermon notes and, 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 and Lord, just sort of disregarding what happens after we say amen and we dismiss from church. Right? And so in your notes there, you know, I put, well, how do we overcome this deception? And some real practical things there. Some real practical things. Our attitude, right? Let's turn to First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians, first we looked at. We're going to go left. Thessalonians is after Colossians. So our attitude. What should our attitude be? If we're going to overcome this deception and re-engage with Scripture the way we're supposed to, we have to start with the right attitude, the right approach, right? 1 Thessalonians 2.13, right? Paul is, is, is really encouraging and he's blessed by the church at Thessalonica. And he says this, And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it actually is the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. So these believers at Thessalonica, they said, Hey, Paul, we received your message in our mind, but here's the next thing. We know it's not from you. It's, we're, we're accepting it. We're welcoming it into our hearts as a word from who? God. 
I asked last week, we asked the question, what's a sermon? And someone who shall remain nameless said, isn't that when the pastor goes up and talks about God? Is that a sermon? See, because we're in a sermon right now, right? So according to that verse, is this just me giving you my opinion, my speculation, my thoughts on Scripture? Or am I called to preach the word, Second Timothy, and this is really a word from who? From God, right? You know, and, and, and it's interesting because what is Is it a word from man? Or is it a word from God, right? Word from man, word from God. And many would say, yes, it's, how many would say, yes, it's a word from God, right? And yet, and yet we, we, we do this and we don't know if we're really that serious. Because what if, what if someone did this? What, what, if, what, if, what if he just did that? Robert, breathe. Breathe, it's okay. Right? Does that bother you, Susan? It's a dictionary. <laughs> Billy, it's a dictionary, okay? I was about to, I was about to duck. There was like projectiles going to flow. I did this one time. Someone, they were like, where's the lightning going to strike? Everyone moved away. Cause of... Why did that bother you? It's God's Word, right? Now, we're not talking about making the Bible pages an idol, okay? We're, this, is, this is pages. But this book is very different than any other book. Because of the author. Amen? Right? And now that you know it's a dictionary, oh yeah, let me shred it. Yeah, right? right. Can I help? But oh, when you didn't know, I had to duck those spears coming this way. Diana, I appreciate you staying calm. (laughs) She's like, (laughs) right? There's something special about this. Amen? It's the Word of God. But what are we supposed to do with it? Right? Accumulate? It's the Word of God. Paul says, hey, great job, church at Thessalonica. You got it. It wasn't just me. It was You received it as the Word of God. So our attitude, right? Our attitude. Let me just share. We're not going to turn there. Psalm 119.14 says, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. Do you rejoice in, in this as much as if you won the lottery? That's what it's saying. That's his attitude, right? The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Is it? Right? It's, it's his attitude. And then there's acceptance, right, in your outline there. There's attitude. There's acceptance, right? We talked about accepting it in your heart. Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You know what dwell in you richly means? To feel at home. To reside permanently. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Are you letting it dwell in you? In your heart? Are you taking the time just to let it come on in? That's what these word pictures mean. It's like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. I love you. Come on in. Sit down. That's what they're talking about. Let the Word of Christ come in as if it's a long-lost friend, relative you love. Come on in. Sit down. Stay for a while. That's what they're talking about. 
That's the attitude we should have, right? So there's acceptance, and then there's action. Then there's action, right? And we talked about James being a listener versus a doer, auditor versus a disciple, right? And then he uses this example, and we used this last week if you were here, right? He says, hey, let me help you out about this listening and doing thing. We talked about this last week. How many of your mirrors spoke to you again this morning? What did your mirror say to you, Scott? You better do something about yourself. Okay. Very practically. Give me a practice. Ernie, what did your mirror say very practically today? You need to shave. All right. Diana, what did your mirror say today? Comb your hair. Okay. Last week we were in unity that the mirror said put on clothes. Okay. All right. How many of you listened to your mirror today? How many did it second nature? How many were thankful you had a mirror? Okay. <laughs> well, you are. You're not thankful for what the mirror shows you, but you're thankful for having a mirror, right? In, in, in Bible times, they didn't have this. They would, they would pound out bronze. Rich people would use silver and gold and just flatten it out, and they would kind of have to look really close. We're thankful for the mirror. We listen to the mirror like that. In James, he says, hey, God's word is simply a mirror because God loves you and he wants you to be sanctified, set apart for his purpose. He's concerned about your character. So he says, Scott, look into my word and I'm going to show you some things about yourself. And if you need help, I'm going to magnify it. (laughs) That's crazy. Like, who needs to see your face ten times as big right there, all right? Because some of us got to get that last eyebrow that's just bugging me. It's just out of place, right? And so physically, we will get right up to there. What's wrong? You know, I mean, I, I live with girls. What are you doing? I just got to get that one that's just bugging me. Do we do that with the Word of God? Would we look that closely at the Word of God? What are you doing? Well, God's Word, there's this one area in my life, and I'm just, I'm just meditating on God's Word and God's truth because this one area is just not where it needs to be. Do we, do we, do we get that in depth with God's Word? That's why He gave it to us. Thank you, buddy. That's why He gave it to us. Because He loves you. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Right? And when it says the person goes away as a forgetful, he forgets what he says, it's not that he has a bad memory. Here it is, guys. He forgets because his priorities are flipped. He forgets because as soon as he leaves church, the priorities of the world come in. It's not that he has a bad memory. It's his priorities aren't right. Any parents in this room ever ask your kids ever to clean their room? And have any parents in this room ever heard the phrase, I forgot? (laughs) Now, my kids are bright. And I know their minds and memories are still young. So when they say, I forgot, what are they really saying? I had other priorities, Dad. I had other priorities. Right? They're like, oh, why does he have to use that one? Right? What are we supposed to do 
We're supposed to be hearers and doers because it's who we are as Christians. Amen? You, if you've been deceived, you gotta just, that's the starting point. You've got to recognize, Lord, I've been deceived. I've slid into accumulation mode. And look at James. We're going to close here. Look at James. Go back to James. Here's a glorious truth. I love this. James 1. So if you commit this morning, if you will, before you leave here, say, Lord, I am committed to hearing and doing. Lord, I am committed to doing. Applying your word. Here's what it says. Look at James 1.25. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law, the gospel, God's word, that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be what? Blessed. In what he does. How many of you want to be blessed? Blessed means joy, peace, contentment, happiness apart from circumstances. And what it says, the key word there in your outline, I put in and I underlined it. If you have your Bible, circle in. It's not blessed for what you do. That's works. He says, as you continue, church, when you leave here, and as you continue day by day throughout the week to walk in obedience as a doer, you're going to be blessed in the doing. Amen? The blessing comes as you walk in loving obedience. That's what they call it. That's just, you know, another word for blessed is spiritual prosperity. So you, as you walk in loving obedience, in the power of the Holy Spirit, on the authority of James 1.25, you're going to be what? Blessed. Blessed in the doing. In the doing. So what are we supposed to do with the Word of God? Hear it, yes. Understand it. Apply it. Do it. So we're going to have a little exercise. If you turn over those sermon notes, every week, you're going to find this on the back of your notes. And if you don't have notes, put your hand up because we want you to have one. So put your hand up if you didn't get a sermon note. If you took one per family, Tyler's going to come around and give you a sermon note. So shoot your hand up if you don't have a note. Anyone? Everyone's got a note in your hand, right? Oh, yeah. So the title of the first part is Hearing the Word. The title of the second page is Doing the Word. So, if you want to be sanctified, set apart, if you want to get unstuck, this is where the rubber meets the road. How will I apply the truth that I have learned from God's Word? Be practical, be specific. Mike and I had a wonderful discussion Thursday morning because Mike goes to the Carol's Bible study. And Mike gave me permission to say this, so don't think I'm picking on Mike. Mike said, ah, great study, Isaiah 51. I said, what'd you learn? And he shared with me what he learned for an hour. And I said, so what? Now what? And that led into a wonderful discussion about now what? Because, see, pretty soon church is over. Now what? Now what? See, these, these two guys right here and my other girls went to a program called Joshua, the Joshua program at Hume. And they have a phrase there, when Joshua ends at the end of the year, Joshua begins. Meaning, hey, we poured into you, now you've got to go live it. It just begins. When church ends, it just begins. When the hearing ends, because it's about to end, the doing begins. You see? So 
So I'm going to sit. I'm just going to sit right there. And for 30 seconds, you get the privilege of wrestling with this right now. Not that I don't trust that you're not going to do it. But I don't trust that you're going to do it. (laughs) And if you're struggling with doing it, there's your starting point. It's okay. We're about grace here. We're about love. We want to help you. We want to shepherd you. We want you to fall madly in love with Jesus and his word. So for 30 seconds, sit down and ask and answer that question. Go ahead. Pull out your notes. Write it right there. Write it right there. This is between you and God. Okay, as you're finishing up, if you really want to, if you really want to go to another level, here's what you can do. Because the Bible says not to forsake the gathering of the, of the body of Christ because we're to love and encourage one another to love and good deeds, right? Here's what you can really do. If you really want to push it, show what you just wrote to somebody and say, can you ask me about this next week? Oh, man, I heard an oh, man right there, right? I appreciate the honesty. Show it to somebody and say, can you hold me accountable? Because this is what I heard from God today. And this is what I believe he's, he's asking me to do, commanding me to do out of loving obedience. Would you help me? Could you please help me make this real in my life? Isn't that awesome? And you know who's blessed today? You know who I got to believe right now is, is like celebrating? The Lord. Because there's a group of people at 105 East Topo Topo who heard the word and spent some time and said, I want to do it. I believe God is rejoicing. Because there's a group of his children that said, I'm not going to be here. I'm not going to be deceived. I am going to practically write something down on this piece of paper and commit to do it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for your word. It is truth. And it is through the hearing and doing of your word that we are sanctified. We are set apart. It is not about accumulation. It is about application. Thank you so much for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for their love for you. And Lord, all of us are just so susceptible in our frailty and our humanness to be deceived. And so, Father, if we've been deceived and we, and we just went way to the other side of just hearing and listening, forgive us. And now, Lord, give us the supernatural empowering of the Holy Spirit to obey and to follow through with what we've written. And as we prepare for communion, Father, we are... Reminded, I am reminded that Jesus was the ultimate hearer and doer. In the garden, he said, Father, if there's any way, this cup can pass for me. But nevertheless, your will be done. He heard and he knew what you wanted, your will. And he struggled and yet in the end, he submitted and he lovingly obeyed unto death. And so as we take communion as we hold the cups we're reminded that Jesus is our ultimate example of hearing and lovingly obeying and because of that loving obedience through faith in him we are saved so we love you we're going to distribute the elements and then we'll uh, take communion together